and uh, do pray for for Miss Rihanna and uh, Brother Daryl. They are going to be heading out on Saturday and going to be heading to Florida. And do continue to pray for Miss Brenda. And she's going through the, the treatments. And, and uh, just I know you're praying for them and, and lifting them to the Lord. So thank you. Thank you, Brianna. Isn't that a wonderful truth? If it matters to you, it matters to the master. And uh, um, I found this out. When you lose your keys, it matters to him. Okay. It really does. He cares about those things and every detail. And uh, if it matters to you, something that is a need for you, it, it's something that the Lord uh, truly cares about. We're in the book of Colossians tonight. And uh, aren't you thankful for friends? Aren't you thankful for people that uh, God puts into your life? And uh, uh, the Lord is, is so gracious in the people that he gives to us, the people he places into our lives. Um, when you find your place, if you're able to stand with us here tonight, I, I want to go back to verse number 7, and let's read uh, through the chapter here, uh, Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 7, and uh, here Paul, in conclusion, uh, often uh, in all of his epistles, uh, just mentioned people that were dear to his life. And he, he says here, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that he may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he doth a great, or that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are of Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember by bonds, grace be with you. Amen. Uh, boy, what a precious uh, conclusion here to this tremendous letter. And uh, we're going to move slowly through this. Um, and often we get to the names and we kind of skip over the names. But there is so much meat right here in these names that Paul mentions that I think we can learn and gain a great deal. So we're going to get as far as we can here tonight and uh, go through some of these names that Paul mentions. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord. And Father, I thank you here tonight that your presence is in this place. And just good to be in church. And I thank you for the sweet fellowship that we have here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. I thank you, Lord, for the friends and fellow laborers and fellow servants in the ministry and in the Lord. And uh, you're so good to put people into our life and, uh, Lord, to enrich our lives uh, through fellow Christians. And, uh, Lord, help us here tonight and give us truth 
that uh, we can build upon truth of eternal value that will make a difference. Lord, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated here this evening. I want to, uh, to just go back and review a couple of things that we dealt with uh, last Wednesday. And as we, as we saw, Paul was a friend maker. He was a team builder. And uh, we'll find as you look through the letters of Paul and through the book of Acts, there are uh, over 100 different named and unnamed individuals uh, that had intertwined their lives with Paul the Apostle. They were precious to Paul, and Paul was precious to them. Often in Paul's letters, even from the prison house, he would write to the Philippians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And so though Paul faced difficulties, he often would pray for his friends and he would thank the Lord for his friends. They were very special in the life of Paul. Uh, he understood the importance of teamwork. And one of the things that I, I see in the mission work of Paul is that it was, it was a team effort. Uh, there was teamwork involved. And I think sometimes there's a lot of failure that happens in the work of God and even in the missions realm uh, because individuals or a single family uh, will go off into um, maybe a very difficult region. And so they're out in the middle of nowhere and they have nobody around them, no other Christians around them. And uh, there they are ministering uh, to uh, people that uh, have no knowledge of the Lord, in many cases no knowledge of God. And it's a lonely realm and a very lonely battle that they, they find. We need fellowship. We need one another. Uh, but one of the things I see in the mission work that Paul was involved in, it, it was a team effort. He wasn't alone, and so he traveled, he planted churches, but he traveled with co-workers. Uh, they were intertwined in the ministry, and we often hear of Paul, uh, we hear of his accomplishments, we hear of souls that were saved and churches that were planted, but many of the laborers behind the scenes we um, don't know a whole lot about. Uh, Paul, I think, was successful largely because of the teamwork and the framework that was behind his ministry. If you think about a, a football team, and um, everybody knows the quarterback usually. The quarterback is the most known name on the football team. If the team wins, the quarterback is praised. If the team loses, the quarterback is uh, kind of put on the, the shelf. Uh, but nobody knows the behind-the-scenes workers, the linemen that are there blocking for the quarterback. And uh, everybody knows of the quarterback, nobody knows of the linemen. That's kind of what I see here with Paul the Apostle. Uh, he's at the forefront. His name is prominent, but behind the scenes and undergirding his ministry are very faithful people. And that's the way a local church works, by the way, is that uh, a church that is successful, a church that goes forward with the Lord, uh, it's a team effort. It's a, a group uh, that works together for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul had working with him faithful preachers, faithful men, faithful women that were a part of the ministry. Uh, here tonight, we're going to look at Paul's friends and helpers in ministry. Now, last week, go back with me to verse number 7. Uh, we, we looked at the messengers, uh, two men that used of God to deliver and write this letter and deliver it to the Colossians. And this was Tychicus and Onesimus. And so we look at verse 7, and he states of Tychicus, and we, we looked at his life last week, all my state. Shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Quite a statement about a man 
whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. And so here's Tychicus, a faithful laborer, somebody Paul dearly loved, and he traveled with Paul. It's evident that you go back to the book of Acts, and uh, Paul could depend upon this man. They had a close relationship working together. And then verse number 9, interesting man that we looked at last week is Onesimus, with Onesimus in verse 9, a faithful and beloved brother. Now this was a a runaway slave, this was the slave of Philemon, and uh, ran away, he was in rebellion, and uh, this is the divine appointments of God, Uh, you can't escape God, you can't run from God, you can't hide from God, and here's Onesimus running from his master in Colossae, and he winds up in Rome, and of all places ends up uh, finding Paul the apostle, and Paul leads this man to the Lord, and now Paul is sending this man as a faithful servant of the Lord, this rebellious man now faithful to the Lord, sending him back to his master, back to Philemon, and here with this letter in hand to the Colossian church. So a lot of truth uh, that is given in the background of this. And, and what a blessing is that uh, you, you can't get away from God, and God puts these meetings and appointments together as only God can, works all of these details together as only God can, and uh, the Lord is glorified uh, through all of this. Okay, this was last week. Tonight we're going to look at three men if we can get to them. And these are fellow workers in the Lord and uh, Aristarchus, there's John Mark, and there is Justice and a lot of truth with these three men that uh, hopefully we can, we can pull out here tonight. Look in verse number 10, and we start here with, with Aristarchus. He says, Aristarchus, and notice what he says of him, my fellow prisoner saluteth you. And then in verse number 11, the latter part of the verse, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. And as we look in the Bible, there's quite a lot that is stated of Aristarchus as you compare Scripture with Scripture. And as we look at his background, we find that he was originally from Macedonia, Thessalonica in particular. And we read about this in Acts chapter 20, verse number 4. And it says, of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus. They're traveling with Paul Uh, as he is there ministering at this time in in Asia. He's one of Paul's traveling companions. In Acts chapter 19, verse number 29, uh, we read, As Paul was in the city of Ephesus, and the whole city in Ephesus was filled with confusion. Remember the riot that takes place. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, and in Acts 20, verse number 4, they accompanied him into Asia, Aristarchus, And so he's one of Paul's traveling companions. But one of the things that I think we can learn that comes out of what the Bible speaks about this man is this companionship that he had with Paul. In Acts chapter 19, Aristarchus was with Paul during the outbreak riots in Ephesus. And uh, if you recall back to that experience, the city came together in an uproar Uh, hearing about Paul and Paul uh, preaching the gospel, the gospel changes lives. When people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, their lives are changed. And in the city of Ephesus, they brought together all their occultic books 
uh, all of that uh, tarot cards and witchcraft and all of that, and they brought that out and they burned it, and uh, then all of the god, uh, the, the the false idols that were made to Diana, the the great goddess, they said of the Ephesians, uh, all of those idols were burned, and so here is Paul, and now the city is saying he's stirring uh, stirring up a commotion and he's causing trouble, and here is Aristarchus, he's a part of that as this riot breaks out. The thing that to me comes forth as I follow this man is that he willingly risked his life as Paul's companion. Uh, I, when I think about Paul, sometimes I think of Brother David Porter. And every time Brother Porter was here, something happened. Uh, we sent him out. He was preaching a revival meeting, and we sent him out uh, one night on, on one of the church vans, and we had people scattered out, and, and we had been visiting that day, and, and as, uh, as we were visiting, we found some that were, wanted to come to church, and so Brother Porter takes the van to go pick these individuals up, and as he gets there, all of a sudden, uh, police cars surround him, and he's just surrounded in our church van, church name on the side, surrounded uh, by all of these police officers. And they thought that here's this man out there dealing drugs in the middle of this uh, trailer cart. And, and, uh, but it opened the door and Brother Porter, as you know him, just takes the opportunity to be a witness. That's what it was like to be with Paul. When you were with Paul, something got stirred. There was something that happened. And here is, is Aristarchus traveling, a companion with Paul. I guarantee you this man had a lot of stories to tell. He, he could tell the stories about what happened to them at Ephesus. It, it would have been fun to sit down with Aristarchus and to get a, another viewpoint of the ministry of Paul the Apostle as God used uh, this man. So Paul often in di difficult circumstances, but often there's Aristarchus in the midst of the difficulty beside him. Another occasion, Acts chapter 27 and verse number 2. And if you know the background of Acts chapter 27, that's the storm at sea. And I read to you verse number 2. Entering into a ship of a dramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Now we know that background. Paul was a prisoner en route to Rome. He'd appealed to Caesar. And as Paul is traveling by ship now to Rome, who's there by his side but Aristarchus being with him? And I think, what a dear friend, what a fellow laborer. Uh, Acts chapter 27 tells about the storm at sea, about the shipwreck, about all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Uh, there was no sun and moon for 14 days. Uh, they despaired even of life. They thought that they would not make it. But here by Paul's side, in the midst of the storm, is Aristarchus. And we know the protection. God protected them. And through all of the hardship, God delivered them out of that. Can you imagine talking to Aristarchus after that particular storm? And how he would tell how God, how Paul went below deck. And how Paul prayed and got a hold of God. And God gave Paul a promise and said there shall be no loss of any man's life, but the ship only. How God then took them to the island of Miletus, and how then Paul was able to preach the gospel there to that island, and multitudes came to know Christ. How Paul was bitten by a serpent, and God spared his life, and Aristarchus would have been able to tell those stories as he ministered with Paul. Now here at Acts, or Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 10, uh, notice the statement, and really interesting statement, 
Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. So he was aboard that ship as he traveled with Paul from, uh, to Rome, as Paul made the appeal. But now Paul makes the statement, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. Now, I don't know this, not enough details given, but here's what I picture in my mind. Paul is the one under arrest. Paul is the one that made the appeal to Caesar. But here's Aristarchus that travels with him, and now Aristarchus there with him in Rome, my fellow prisoner. And what it appears to me is that he willingly gave his freedom to be with Paul as a prisoner. And I thought, wow, what a, what a neat friend in the ministry to have by your side. As I thought about that, read about that, uh, years ago uh, we had heard the story, read the story of the Moravian missionaries. And uh, the Moravians, uh, unreal, sent uh, uh, multitudes of missionaries literally all over the world. But uh, I think two of the first missionaries the Moravians sent were two men that sold themselves as slaves because they felt God had called them to give the message of Christ to the slave colonies. And the only way they could go to the slave colonies was to become slaves themselves. So they sold themselves into slavery so that they could be missionaries to the slave population and give the gospel uh, unto, those, uh, unto those men and women. And that's kind of what it reminds me of here of Aristarchus, giving his freedom to be by Paul's side. And so it's no wonder here in Colossians 4, verse number 11, that Paul, as he writes of these men, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. And so here's a man that sacrificed so much to serve the Lord alongside Paul. He gave his own comfort, gave his own freedom. Uh, today, uh, few people talk about Aristarchus. When was the last time you personally talked about Aristarchus? Okay, when was the last time you really thought anything of him? Now, you know about Paul, don't you? But not many people know about Aristarchus. But I don't think Paul would have been as successful as he was had it not been like men or for men like Aristarchus who behind the scenes give their freedom, uh, sacrifice their lives to undergird the ministry of Paul and to be there to comfort him. And Paul never could have accomplished all he did, never could have been as successful he was as if it were not for Aristarchus. And it's that kind of men and women that God is looking for. People who don't have all the glory, but I believe rewarded in heaven. And here is the Lord who takes and makes account of this man. And I can just imagine what a great reward this man has in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. So during Paul's difficult circumstances, there is a man behind the scenes to comfort him. And so what a great start of Aristarchus as we read about him in the book of Colossians. Now there's a second co-laborer, fellow laborer that's mentioned, and that's Marcus. You know maybe a bit more about Marcus, uh, John Mark. And look with me here in verse number 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Now, we know in his background a lot more about him than we do of Aristarchus. He was a Jew. 
uh, a cousin or a nephew here to Barnabas. Uh, we know that he's the son of Mary. Uh, Acts chapter 12, verse number 12 speaks uh, of this. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house. This is Peter of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And so his mother was a faithful laborer. And so there in Jerusalem, as Peter is in prison, the church is gathered together to, uh, to pray for Peter. Uh, here is John Mark's mother. It's in her home where the church is gathered together to pray. And you know the miracle that God worked and uh, God delivered Peter out of the prison house. But here's a faithful mother and John Mark, her son. Uh, that's what we know in his background. It appears that he uh, was led to faith in Christ by Peter. I think we can say that possibly from 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse number 13, where Peter calls him his own son, Marcus. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is sometimes referred to as Peter's Gospel. It was written by John Mark, but uh, often uh, there's the influence, we know, of Peter back behind the scenes. Now here, Paul makes mention of John Mark. So I want to go back, if you would, to Acts chapter 13 for just a moment. And let's learn a few things about John Mark. And uh, I see here his failure uh, previously. In his life. In Acts chapter 13, John Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. So we read in Acts chapter 13, verse number 4 So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Uh, he was an assistant, and somebody said perhaps he, he take, took care of the travel arrangements, uh, the supplies. He's behind the scenes, taking care of the details. He's with Paul and Barnabas, and what a privilege that would have been on this first missionary journey. But we read on in this chapter that in the midst of this first missionary journey, John Mark quit. He didn't finish. Acts chapter 13, verse number 13. says, now when Paul... And his company loosed from Paphos. They came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. And we don't know why. Maybe it's too dangerous. Maybe it's too difficult. Uh, perhaps there are relationships issues. Uh, it's interesting when you study uh, the cause of missionaries coming off of the field. The number one reason that men and women and families come off of the mission field relationship problems. They can't get a hold or along with fellow missionaries. They have relationship issues, and they come off of the field. Number one reason for departing from the field. We don't know why John Mark left. Uh, maybe Paul uh, got under his skin. Paul might have been a, a difficult one uh, to be around. I don't know the story. Uh, maybe uh, hard to work with, but he left the field of service in the midst of the journey. Now, that became a source of conflict between Paul and Barnabas. If you go forward to Acts chapter 15 and verse number 36, uh, they returned from that first missionary journey, uh, successful, and uh, they've been with the church at Antioch now for a period of time. Now the time has come, they're going to head out on another journey in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them in Pamphylia 
and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed. Here's Paul and Barnabas, godly men. But a strong dissension comes between them because of a difference concerning John Mark. Uh, he said they departed one from asunder from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren of the grace of God. He went through Syria, Cilicia, confirming the churches. And so we find the, this dissension taking place. But it's because John Mark quits on that first journey. Now we might ask the question, who was right? Was Paul right? Was Barnabas right? Paul was firm. Barnabas was compassionate. Paul would not take a chance again. It would not be uh, allow John Mark to, to quit again. Uh, but Barnabas uh, saw the potential of John Mark. And what I see in both of these men, there was some truth. And probably John Mark needed what both of these men had to give. And so this dissension uh, would take place between them. And uh, both men probably right. John Mark needed the firm stance of Paul, but John Mark needed the compassion of Barnabas who saw his potential. And God worked all things together for good. Out of this were born two missionary teams, Barnabas and John Mark, Paul and Silas. And so the work in that sense was doubled. Now here's the principle that we need to gain tonight is the restoration and usefulness of John Mark. See, the investment of Barnabas made an impact. And here we are years later in the book of Colossians, and now Paul is commending John Mark, the one that he would not take with him on the second missionary journey. He's now commending him to the church in Colossae. Again, look in Colossians chapter 4, verse number 10. He says, and Mark, a sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Don't do as I did. I send him away once, but if he comes to you, you accept him, you receive him. Uh, near the end of Paul's life, I think this would be beneficial if you would turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 4. 2 Timothy, just before Paul is beheaded, before he's ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul says of John Mark. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11, Only Luke is with me. But now he says, Take Mark, and speaking to Timothy, Bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. See, he failed the first go-round. Barnabas has taken him under wing. Barnabas has invested in him. Barnabas saw the potential in him. And now John Mark, years later, has come to this place. He is profitable to Paul in the ministry. He made up all of that past failure. And do you know who the human instrument was that God used to write the gospel of Mark? It's this very John Mark. And God used him. A lot of lessons that come out of this for us here today. What a testimony. Maybe you've made, uh, failed miserably, but it's not the end of the world. God can take that past and turn it for his good. And God can raise you up out of the midst of the ashes. And God can still take a person 
and you can be profitable in the ministry and profitable to the work of God. And there's a job and a task for you that God has for you. Uh, though one may have miserably failed, God has the final say in all of it. And here is a valuable servant of God. And in this need, we have Aristarchus by Paul's side through thick and thin, uh, shipwreck and a fellow prisoner comforting Paul. Here's John Mark, now profitable, the one that had failed Paul previously, now profitable to him in the ministry. One more. Let's get to him tonight. Colossians. Chapter 4, verse number 11. It says, And Jesus, which is called justice, or the circumcision, again, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. So we have Jesus, justice, very little known of him. Jesus is the word Joshua. It's a popular Jewish name. Justice is a Roman name, but we know that he's of the circumcision, so that would tell us, he was of Jewish background. He was Jewish heritage. And so we do know of him that he was a fellow worker with Paul. He was a comfort to Paul. And the thing that we can also see is that his name is recorded in this divine account. And here's what comes to my mind as I look at this man. This is, we know, this is about all we know, very little. We know much more of Aristarchus, even more of John Mark, but very little of justice, of Jesus, of Joshua, uh, the one here that is spoken of. But as a testimony to us here tonight, God knows every faithful servant. And they're all known by name unto the Lord. Uh, the world may not know much about him, but God knows him. And in the blessing, his name is recorded for us by the Holy Spirit of God in the infallible word of God and God calls his name and now for all of the ages we read about this man who was a fellow laborer a fellow servant a comfort to the life of Paul the apostle and here's the thought that I have tonight you know one day every single one of us are going to stand and give an account of our life to the Lord Jesus Christ and wouldn't it be a blessing, the Lord speaks of this man very positively. Wouldn't it be a blessing that as the Lord is saying basically to us in the word of God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wouldn't it be a blessing to enter into the throne of the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the Lord there to draw account to the times you helped Paul the apostle, or to the times that you were a faithful minister of the Lord, to the times that you were a comfort to somebody in their lives. I'm thinking back years ago to a pastor of mine, and um, I, I, what I would do when I was in college in Oklahoma, uh, the Lord led me to a church, and, and through my college time, I, I would join that church and be part of that church, and I would come back home, and, uh, and uh, I would rejoin my, my home church. And uh, I did that to, because I would teach the college class and different things there in, in the college and just a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful time to be able to do that. Uh, I just come back home from Oklahoma and my pastor back in Oklahoma was on my heart. And I didn't know why, but he was heavy on my heart. And I wrote him a letter and I just thanked him. The last message that he preached before I left home from college to come back home the last message he preached uh, was such a, I still remember that message to this day. 
And it was such an encouragement to me at that particular time in my life. As I wrote back that letter, I just said to him, uh, Brother Norris, I just want to tell you, I'm praying for you, I love you, and grateful, and thank you for that message, and God's using that message in my life, and just sent that letter. He spoke to me when I got back to college, and he said, uh, he said, Brian, I just want to say thank you. He said, you didn't know this, but the very day I received that letter, there was a group of men that came to me asking me to design. And he said, I was ready to design, and I got that letter. And the Lord told me, keep pressing on, keep going forward. And that's exactly what needed to happen for that church. And I was so thankful, just knew that it was on my heart, didn't know why, but just that letter. And here's what I want to point out to you. Here's justice. A comfort to Paul, and he may not have even known how, but he was used of God to bring comfort to Paul's life. And now Paul writes about him, and he's mentioned here in the Word of God for all of us to read, and the Lord has given him this prominent position. I would just say to you, you just be faithful. And God will draw attention to that. Just be faithful. Just do what God has called you to do. And if you do what God has called you to do, you'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to close with that. God's work takes teamwork.